Hey, brothers and sisters, welcome back to the Esoteric Psy Institution podcast school where we strengthen and increase the consciousness of our community by starting a dialogue on esoteric wisdom, uh, psychology, spirituality, so you guys can apply in a practical way in your everyday life. Uh, I'm Alex, Dr. Alex Aldana. I'm a therapist and astrologer, uh, among other things. And with me today's co-host is Miss Whitney, who is a yoga instructor, uh, astrologer in training. Uh, she's and a practicer or a, stu- a student of realized medicine as well. Miss Whitney, how are you today? I'm well, thank you for having me. It, it's beautiful to have you. Would you mind giving a quick background on our guest and introducing him as well? It's the fifth time he's on, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, today we have Vladimir Angert, who is my teacher and friend and the creator of realized medicine and um, has done a lot of amazing things. and. Uh, that's all I'm going to say now. Vlad, yes. it's, it's another Ask Uncle Vlad session on what he channels from source, what his understanding, what his life experience is on certain topics. And today, by the way, Mr. Vlad, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, breathing in and out. <laughs> That's great, man. Um, so today's topic is autism. Um, both because it's a huge topic in society today. The number of autistic people keeps uh, climbing. My brother is autistic. He's 29 or 30 uh, years old. Uh, I'm three, two and a half years older than he is. And uh, he's nonverbal. He's on the extreme end of the spectrum where he never even learned to talk, to communicate. And it, it was a big issue uh, in my family growing up and um uh, kind of a big burden we had to deal with not because heaven was a burden but just the fact that he would have all these violent uh attacks just attack you randomly right i know it there's a huge spectrum about autism and i know it's very difficult to put like asperger's in the same boat as more dense but um can you speak a little bit generally about what autism is in detail as far as your understanding is uh so we can start elaborating on the subject I probably treated for, in in 23 years of practice as a healer, I treated four people from autism. But my experience is, my experience with that gave me a very broad understanding. And because it's such a huge thing, especially in this country, um, I explored it on my own. So what I come to understand is, by the way, the way I understand and receive information when I encounter a person with a specific illness, I align myself and it starts to speak to me where it provides me with information of what's amiss and what is there and what isn't there and who's participating and how it happened and what's the purpose. Mainly what's the, 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 the main reason is what's the purpose and how can it be corrected? So I found that autistic people are extremely high voltage, high frequency souls that come into the human experience and choose families that are devoid of a practice or a devotional life. So they refine themselves and they refine the family. 
most of these families resort to physical and medical solutions, which are a complete waste of time. The reason they're high frequency, how I know is everything they react to is the human experience and the distractions of the human experience. Anything high frequency or high density or something that is not in alignment with, if you, if you pay attention to them and their reactions. Uh, I had an experience uh, with a little nine-year-old. His parents were from D.C. They met me in Chicago while I was traveling across country. And they asked me, the father was actually uh, uh, an attorney from, from D.C., uh, a lobbyist. And uh, he had this you know, beautiful wife, and she's... Uh, a yogi and this, that, and the other thing. And they, and they open the door and they come into my hotel. And I purposely stacked, you know, the Brian Weiss and the wellness books on one side and the religious books on another side on the same table. And the kid's reaction to everything was, ah, you know, he would spin his hands and move his hands this way. And he came in the room and the first thing he did, he, he beelined for my religious books. And he carefully, like, he was looking at them as, as if he was energetically feeling them. They drew, the, they drew, like, literally pulled him to it. He never even paid attention to the wellness stuff. You know, the, the Wayne Dyers, the, the theorists. And his mother walks in, and as she observed him going to touch my books, she goes, No! Don't touch those! So... What do you think his reaction was? Ah! <laughs> it increased the reaction. So from that little nuance, from that little experience, what I received is that the child definitely entered the human experience in a fam- into a family where he has to refine the humans that received him to having a way. If they don't have a way, they receive that special soul so that they can find a way. Because this is a child and this is a soul that already is high frequency. It already knows the way. As long as the the people who are raising it raise that child within the confines of boundaries. Because if you look at it, if you look at any autistic kid, depending on the severity, they're out of control. It's to show the family, usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, your father's a control freak. So um, he, he's literally shown through a spiritual experience of a child that he's not in control. He can't do anything to help this kid. He has to give himself and create a discipline of observance for himself so he can set that standard for the child. And so does the mother. So it restructures their lives, therefore creating an environment that's filled with light, which then in turn will calm the nervous system of the autistic child, and they stop reacting. They have this kind of poise and a oneness. I think both my father and my mother are control freaks in in different ways. (laughs) Um, Aquarius the father, but very square in his way of understanding the world, you know, like he's got, what I've noticed, because we have a lot to talk about here, but what I've noticed astrologically 
is normally Saturn is very strong, very prominent in the charts of autistic people. I've only had a couple of autistic patients, but I've always seen that Saturn in some way, shape or form is very strong. And Saturn is, is a stru- structural isolation. And that's kind of a big thing of our autistic people is that they don't really interact a lot or make deep connections with people. They kind of isolate. Is there anything you can speak about on that? You know uh, that the Sabbath is Saturn? Yeah, yeah. It's a day of Saturn. And it's a day of structure, of order, of purging everything that's not necessary. I've heard it referred to as, Saturn referred to as like the hard teacher, too. It strips away everything that's not essential. Yeah. Um, that's how we know that that ritual came from the creative force, because it's in alignment and, and astrology confirms it. So look, we can confine him to astrological through a definition of, of astrology. We can, we can say, you know, it's a spiritual, uh, it's a soul of high frequency. Um, that doesn't really define him, right? What defines a soul is its connection. Just like me and you. What defines me? Your diagnosis of me? Well, oh, no, you, definitely not. If I went to a therapist and told them that I, who I spoke to or I think I spoke to, I'd be on medication staring out the window in some facility. Right? But that, that's really not true because uh, my experiences in the, and the master souls that I spoke to gave me concrete understanding of how to be in the human experience. So now you have an autistic child who comes into the human experience with all of that downloaded into him into him or her they're in the human experience and every kind of human behavior is is there's a disturbance it's like razors on them so the 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 way psychiatrists um diagnose certain illnesses is based on a criteria so they've gotten based on studies and experience and whatever they get together every couple of years and there's this book where they find out fill out criteria right so if this person meets this criteria then he's autistic if this person meets this criteria then he's schizophrenic or whatever uh, personality disorder that they might have or uh, psychiatric disorder right so when we talk about autism in this category of of diagnosis there's a broad range but right in a broad range of causes um, for example, epilepsy, and when, when you, they get, they're given epileptic, um, they have like these micro epileptic seizures and where they're given medication to stop the seizures, they get way better, right? Uh, but there's other, uh, like serotonin, uh, production and such. So let's address one at a time, please. Yeah. So let, when they have these like micro seizures, right? Uh, and they're given pills uh, for epilepsy and then, they're no longer autistic or their autism gets way, way, way better. That's a neurological disorder, right? What do you understand from that? So I've treated uh, um, epilepsy. Yeah. Um, I treated a young woman who was, I think she was 19 when she came to me. Um, she was falling down 20 times a day. I have a testimonial from her mom on, on my Instagram. Epilepsy is escapism. They don't want to deal with the human experience and the emotional ups and downs of what they're going through. Their nervous system spasms, creates a short, and they fall out to escape. It goes hand in hand with autism. 
because they can't deal. They're out of control. They have no grounding. They're high voltage wires with no grounding. So to treat uh, epilepsy with pills is ludicrous because it doesn't do anything. It doesn't give a permanent solution. It's a temporary fix. And they become disheveled. They look like they're stoned all the time. They, they bloat constantly. It affects their liver. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't do anything. There's no, it, it's not a long-term solution. So can you expand, first of all, on this concept of being a high-frequency wire with no grounding? Because I know you're, you're explaining this to people from a um, soul kind of perspective or an energetic perspective, but can you elaborate on this so people, uh, you know, moms or, and, and fathers of children with autism can understand this a bit better? We all subscribe to the idea of having a soul, right? Whether we're Christian, Jews, Muslims, whatever religion we come from, whatever conceptual structure we come from or we were raised in, we all understand whether we practice our religion or we don't. We're souls going through a human experience. So a soul that is a high vibration, that's practically uh, more spirit, more godly, more pure than other souls. It enters the human experience, and here it is, with its broad view of reality and its sensitivities, it brings the sensitivity and expresses itself into a body, and that expression is, it, it reveals itself in the nervous tentacles being highly uh, aware. And so they have a broad sense of, per of perception, they have Uh, a very keen intuition. They're extremely sensitive. They're extremely emotional. And all of that is, is a hundred times of what you and I have. So the light is so bright, they can see through all anything that isn't true. And moreover, anything that has to do with human physical material behavior that is not consistent with their sense of truth and their sensitivity disturbs them. So they remove themselves. So, of course, they, it would make sense that they have, some of them would have epilepsy because epilepsy is escape. They don't want to be where they are. Even though the, it's the physical body that reacts to their environment, but the spiritual body enters the human exper experience to find the way, its way. So it enters a human experience through a, a, a group of people or parents that also need a way, such as your parents. They're smart people, they're nice people, they're honorable, they're hardworking, all the right on paper, right? But they don't have a spiritual path. There's no, there's no, they practice because somebody told them that's how they were raised. You understand? They don't understand emotional resolve, neither your mother or your father. Please correct me if I'm wrong. So what happens is, There these, you have these two people who are constantly interacting with this uh, open nerve and they want him to calm down. Well, he can't calm down. You mentioned something that's very important, um, that he doesn't speak. Well, it says in the, in the original text, let's call it that, uh, that God spoke and the world came to be. God didn't speak. It's not a person. It expressed itself into the human experience, and we are its expression. Well, if, if a human being 
is can't express themselves because its creator, the mother, is not in alignment to the to the to the creator, which is the expression of things. Meaning, she does she didn't develop a ritual life which connects her. So that which expresses itself expressed itself into the human experience through a very high frequency soul that can't express itself. So then I'm not putting the onus on the mother, but she can participate by engaging herself in having a ritual life. I don't care if it's uh, Zoroastrianism, whatever. But the acknowledgement that there is a creative force that constantly fuels the soul and enables us to be effective co-creators of reality through our expression. God spoke and the world came to be. It's not a person. It doesn't speak. It expresses itself. This is a form for a function. It's the soul's expression of giving, receiving, holding on, letting go. When Well, then her child is an expression of her. Right? So we can't put the onus on her. What else does this child express? It expresses being out of control. Well, your father has a desperate need to be in control, for things to be in alignment, to be orderly, to be, oh, here you go. Hold this child for a moment so that you can, it's a reminder for your daily that you have no control over anything. And frankly, you preach control, but internally you're completely out of control because you're reactive and self-absorbed. And so what this child causes is for you to get, take the attention off yourself and put and extend yourself to another person. Before we go into the uh, serotonin production issue, um, Remember, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. I'll start talking to you about medical terminology. Okay. Um, oh, we'll go into that in, in a second, um, and I'll explain that. But for the binary emotion, which is a school, whole school thought of where they find the emotional and psychological root of a certain illness, um, they have studied a bunch of cases of autism, and they said, okay, so the common denominating factor here is when the mother was pregnant, she went through a period of intense stress, specifically fear and fear of, of dying. Right. So that's their take on that, uh, that it's a issue with the, the inter intrauterine uh, development of the fetus where the mother had intense fear and stress and maybe even fear of dying, or they could be translated into that. Uh, what's your take on that before we go into the other medical uh-huh. As far as I'm concerned, my experience, it's not. I've seen crackheads that have healthy babies. Okay. Mostly that have healthy babies. You know, uh, somebody I, I personally know used to throw herself on the ground while she was pregnant and, and jump out of the car while her husband was driving to 30 miles an hour while she was pregnant. The kid's totally normal and super evolved. What does that mean? So it's not true. I just want uh, your take on it because it's a lesser known cause of it. And I did realize, for example, when my mom was pregnant with my brother, my parents separated and she had to go back into the, her mother's household where she um, and her mother physically and mentally abused her for many years. So I can see where that stress is going. Well, let's look at it in a realized way. Okay. Your mother encountered a, another human being who she separated from, right? Who was also an expression, your father was an expression of her. And she had to go back to where she came from, right? So where she came from is an abusive environment because there's aggression and a lack of self-value internally. So she lives 
in, in an environment that brings her value down because she doesn't value herself, right? So it's the environment is an expression of her internal understanding. If she had a way or a path, she would then encounter another human being who also has a way or a path. I'd like to offer too that before I got pregnant and like as I got pregnant, I had to resolve this situation. But before I got pregnant, I and I had to didn't have to, but I became the caretaker for my mom, um, who we spoke maybe once a year. And then now she's like living in my house and we're, we just never got it right. Me and my mom, but it was when I talked to Vlad about it, I realized like, I have to reframe this. What is this trying to do for me? And it's like, this is your opportunity to work out your shit with your mom before you become a mom. You know, this is, this is how you can kind of refine yourself so that, you're the soul that comes to you doesn't require that to be refined in another way as you being a mom, instead of you being the child of a mom, you know what I mean? Yeah, like Matryoshka is like the Russian nesting dolls. It's an oh, issue. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the, there, the other issue is the serotonin production. So serotonin is, essentially a bonding hormone and it causes pleasure with human interactions right so some of the uh, like, I, I them, then. Uh, yeah for example even talking with people or hugging them or yeah so serotonin gives you a little reward when you interact with people um and i kind of hormone yeah and it, and it causes bonding in communities and people relationships and all that good stuff so uh, with a lot of autistic people, their either serotonin is not produced correctly, or the receptor is not um, correctly formed, or you know something wrong with the serotonin production. So they don't feel pleasure when they interact with human be- with well, with people in general, right? With social interactions. So, what's your take on that? Well, you always ask. You always in a realized understanding. Once people, the base of everything is realized understanding all religions, all, all structures. Why? Because once you realize, you understand that it's a, the serotonin, which I know nothing about, is simply a chemical produced by the human body to express, as you say, pleasure or bonding, right? Well, if, if the soul came to find its way, right, it doesn't know the idea of bonding, which means it came as, as a new elevated soul, which needs to find its path and needs to find a way to, to, to have pleasure. What, what is ultimately what gives me pleasure? So somebody, somebody I know, I'm not going to mention any names, said to me, well, I don't want to practice boundaries because I, I like laughter and I like to have a fun. I said, well, I'm done with having fun. I just like to be happy. There's a huge difference. Fun is incremental and it's a quick fix. Happiness has longevity. So then what that soul is coming into the human experience to to understand is how to be aligned to true happiness, true joy, and structure. It's the structure and the commitment of the parents to a way, not to running to uh, what they call occupational therapists. How are you going to make a kid talk? If he, if he has no idea of what expression means. 
You can't teach them concepts. But if you engage the mother in engaging with that which expressed her into the human experience and helped her express this being into the human experience, where you teach her that connection, well, then she can start receiving and her expression will start to express itself. That's how everything works. Can I ask, Vlad, do you, the child that you saw that was nine years old that you were talking about, was, an, was this a nonverbal child? No, he was verbal. I met a nonverbal one too. Have you, you had worked with a nonverbal child? Yeah. Was it, um, did the, were the parents receptive to treatment? Like how did the treatment unfold for the, that the child? The mother was receptive. Uh, the mother was receptive until I said to her, wait a minute. She was, she was uh, married to a, a religious Jewish guy from Beverly Hills. And she didn't finish her conversion and had a baby, which means she didn't complete her reconnected process to the creative force. So her expression can't express itself. She needs to complete it. That's all. It's not because it's Judaism. I'm not, I'm not, what are they called? Proselytizing? Is that what it's called? Yeah. No, by, by no means. I, I want that to be clear. It's not, dis, it's not even a disclaimer. I want it to be clear. You should be whatever it is that you are. But if you are in the process of engaging yourself in a lifestyle or a life of, of devotion and have a concrete path, then you should complete that and be what it is that you're trying to be, not for the sake of the other person, but for, for your sake. When it's a true conversion, then you engage yourself in receiving and then your expression can express itself. So did the, was, did the mother participate in? She participated the, for a while, then she lost interest in, because she wasn't going to do the deed. Yeah. Did the child improve like yes, as she participated? Yes, he did. He became calmer. He became more collective. He became less impulsive. He became... Uh, more organized, he listened to direction more consistently, he engaged, eye contact, you know, they don't engage. Because it's onto the new, onto the new, next, 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 next. There, there was, uh, I'll go for it, Miss Whitney. Uh, there was a study uh, done when they tried to do early detection of autistic children uh, by detecting a breastfeeding con- um, I guess behavior. So they figured out or that when a child breastfeeds, they normally look at the mother in the face, her eyes. Yeah. Uh, so when they were able to pinpoint that uh, children that were going to be autistic, they did not uh, make uh, eye contact or facial contact with the mother. So they figured, well, if we can correct this behavior, maybe we can lower, uh, we can restructure something in the brain. And so what they did is they start the, with the mothers, when the baby would look away from them, they would take the, Teat away, and then yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't smack them. But yeah, I would take the teat away, and then the baby would like, "What? What's happening? I was feeding. What, what happened?" Right, and they would look back reconnect. at them. Right. Yeah, reconnect, and then they would reconnect, put the give the teat back, and so they trained the child to make human contact, and those children had a way less probability of developing autism. Any oh, take on that? Of course. So what they're doing is training the the child or the soul to be defined by its connection to a human being. 
and the human being is not an unlimited source of energy. So then the child becomes completely dependent on the mother. And there's a dependency, right? So the mother will eventually become exhausted because she's not an unlimited source and can only sustain, can hardly sustain herself, much less this highly demanding being. What's more important is to engage the mother in understanding in the ritual practice, yoga, breathing, strengthening her soul, having order, having a consistent uh, a practice of devotion, prayer, whatever it is, religion she's from. And so what happens then, it's not the mother's eyes that engage. It's the light that comes through the mother's eyes that is stimulated by her devotion. And that sustaining force, which is stimulated by her devotion, now engages the child to have a sustaining force, which is unlimited and has unlimited possibilities. How's that make sense? Yeah, it does. But I think Ms. Whitney had a comment. I was going to say, I think, too, it's like that that's, you know, because you were talking about, I don't remember if it was before the conversation started, but you had referenced Dr. Alex astrology, uh, some astrological information that you noticed in your practice in relation to children who have autism or people who have autism. But you know, there's, it's like you look at an astrological chart and you say like, this soul came into this experience for certain things. Like when I had a chart done, a Vedic chart done for my son, it was like, um, my, my teacher didn't know, uh, necessarily that this was a thing, but she said like, oh, he, uh, the placement of the father shows that this child's father has an addiction problem. And it's like, oh, that's true. You know? So this is like part of, this is like part of the experience that this soul came here to have, but that, that can, that can have like sadhana is powerful. This, your spiritual discipline is powerful. So it can refine it to the best scenario possible, or you can have no spiritual practice and no sadhana. And uh, then you can see the worst of that situation as well. So I think it says something that these babies were born into a situation where they were immediately being like, elevated beyond the limited reality that would have happened if they hadn't been immediately like frequently forced or not forced, but frequently made to reconnect like that, that says something special about their soul and the situation that they came, that they came into, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And specifically like, uh, Vlad said, I do observe and, and see there is, a. Uh, very strong attachment to the mother and, and autism and like you, you said uh, even the umbilical cord right the baby gets nutrients from the mother and uh i, I even in binary motion they said okay the, the child is kind of scared of life so it, it interacts uh in life through the mother and the mother uh is the one that needs to be worked with in order to heal the autism specifically and, and i do understand how how that relates and then with all the cases of autism that i have seen you know my my oh. son is not autistic so this is maybe me speaking out of turn but i have noticed you know we'll be going for a walk and a strong wind blows and he'll go <gasps> and look at me like how am i supposed to feel right now and i'll say oh wow that's so much fun you know and i'll start laughing and then he'll say ah and he'll start laughing you know so it that. is like you're, they are looking to you constantly. And it's a thing as a mom, you're just, you're literally just like, if I did not have a spiritual practice, I think I would be insane because you are just constantly having to check 
you're, how you're treating them in relation to the world? Are you, are you teaching them that it's like scary and terrible or that it's manageable and fun or whatever, you know, I mean, it's, it is like a really wild time for a mom. Uh, but again, my child is not autistic. So it's, it's the mother that sets the standard. It's the mother that is in the child's life. I would say 80% of the time all the formative years of the child's life. It's, it, it's the mother that sets the discipline, the order, the conditions, uh, everything. You know, even with non-autistic children, when, when there are parents or mothers that have come to me, oh, my child doesn't sleep at night. The child doesn't sleep at night because you have, you're, you have no order. If you let your child run your life, this is a new soul in a new body, it doesn't know what it wants and when it wants it. You set that standard. Now imagine for an autistic child that comes into the human experience with absolute disarray and complete uh, complete lack of understanding of what order means. So then the disorder, the, the order comes as a result of the mother's practice and her commitment to a way. And why you could say, well, it could be just meditation. No, meditation is not enough because it has to be consistent and it has to have nuance. For instance, what we just said, how my, my kids look to their mother, how to react to falling. Well, their mother is, uh, is an athlete. So when they see their mommy fall, uh, the mommy says, oh, it's no big deal. Keep going. That's how they're going to react. But if the mother has, you know, uh, uh, never done a physical thing in her life, and, oh, my baby, what can I do if he's going to get abandoned? Then that's, that's what they resort to. It's conditioned behavior, right? If I make, if I give Nora Lily love, I say, okay, you fell, but nothing happened. So keep going, right? I can give her a hug and say, look, I'm sorry you got hurt, but it didn't happen to you. It happened as a result of you. You, you want to pay attention. You want to roll a skate on a staircase, for God's sake. So then what do you expect? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what chip in your brain told you that that was okay? So then it comes with a price. And my her reaction and her conditioned behavior is going to depend on, on how I react to it. Yeah, there's the umbilical cord severed at the moment of birth, but there's a still a connection with the mother that gets lesser about around age three and then and around the teenage years, it almost serves completely. You know? So and there is a still going back to the mother. And it, it goes back also to kind of a, you know, it's weird that only like one in every 10 children that's autistic is a woman. It's mainly an issue with with men. And it doesn't make sense because, you know, the, the feminine and the masculine kind of look for each other in, in a bonding way. I don't know if, what's your take on that before we close, because I know you, you got to go. Uh, but closing, like, why do you believe it's 10 times more common in men than women because women are naturally spiritual even if the even the women that don't have a path are away they live in their hearts they live in their feelings we live in our crotch or our in our intellect right so what rules our lives either the pursuit of of financial uh uh, success, drive, pump our muscles, right? Or are below our waist. 
So the fact that they live in their feelings and resolve and, and have an emotional life, a more developed emotional life, which means they have more God, meaning more energy. There's, an, there's a constant flow of energy. It causes energy to renew itself. In fact, they do that every month. The flow of energy, the flow renews itself. They're able to discard tainted energy, right? They're the only species in, human, in the human experience that can do that. We can't do that. So that makes them highly elevated. And when they enter the human experience, they're, they're familiar with emotional um, and spiritual peace. Boys are a lot more likely, a lot more likely. So if a soul enters the human experience through a male body, it, it's looking for order. And, and women tend to be more social in general, just because of the way the brain is wiring the hormones. But um, uh, I have, um, have you ever seen the movie, The Accountant? No, it didn't interest me at all. I, I don't like him. You don't like Ben Affleck? No. Okay. Well, uh he plays an autistic accountant, right? And um, his dad's a military dude, and he's he gets a diagnosis, and he says, "No son of mine is going to be a weird or an anomaly or whatever, right?" And so he starts training uh, his child to do things that make him uncomfortable, and he develops this ritual of like banging, of listening to heavy metal music, which irritates the crap out of him, and hitting himself in the shins and pain and, and contact is that. Uh, it's it's a weird take on on that, and I don't think it's very realistic because well, when the father dies, he still does this. It's kind of a self discipline, and I understand where it takes like doing difficult things to train yourself to make yourself stronger. I understand where that comes from, but I don't think that's it's overcoming impulse. Can you tell them it's five minutes. Please? Oh, okay, it's no, overcoming sure, impulse. Sure, okay. I don't, it's overcoming impulse, but you're. I don't think it's applicable to most autistic children in that way. Or what do you think? There, there, it's, it's their human body is an expression of the fact that the that the soul didn't have a way, and so it entered the human experience full of impulse. That's all they are. It, everything is, is is about newness. They're constantly impulsive. They're doing whatever it is that they want because they can't. They have no control over themselves. So it's it's impulse control. So if a mother is doing yoga every day. At 6.30 in the morning, she creates order in her life. She has a ritual. She's consistent. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I'll take 20 autistic families and give 20 to the medical community, and I promise you, give me 21 days, mine will be 75 to 80% better, and the medical community will be completely disheveled. Beautiful. Any closing comments on families with autism, Vlad, or any uh, closing comments, Miss Whitney? Sure. Create, you have to, for the parents, uh, it's, a, it's a huge blessing. You could see it as a blessing or you could see it as an obstacle. If you choose to see it as a blessing, then you can see the value in the child training you into having order and consistency. If you see it as an obstacle, you will be exhausted and resentful. Thank you so much, Mr. Blood. Thank Thanks, Whitney. Ryan. Thanks, Dr. Alex. No, I'm good. Appreciate it. This is an esoteric side. Thank you guys so much, brothers and sisters, for uh, listening to us. And please check us out on social media. Thank you, Ms. Whitney. Thank you.